It is good to see you guys, um, and it's good to be back here, um, and it's a, I'll tell you what, it's a privilege. Uh, we don't take it lightly. That's right. I know how it is at, at uh, the church that I lead. We don't turn the pulpit over to just anybody. It's got to be somebody that has our heart and our values on pulling in the same direction. I want to do something. I didn't ask them, but I'm a, I hope that I don't embarrass uh, your leadership. If you're on eldership here at New Gen, could you just stand up? Do you mind just standing up? And then if you're a deacon here at uh, New Gen, would you stand up as well and remain standing up? And uh, are all your home group leaders either deacons or elders or some not? Okay. They all are. Okay. All right. So this is your basic leadership team at, at New Gen. I just want to ask them some questions. If you think you know everything as a leader, would you um, sit down? <laughs> if, you, um, if you think um, that Jesus knows everything, remain standing. Jesus knows everything, yeah. <laughs> this is a trick. Um, if you are in leadership because you want fame and glory and admiration from the people, then go ahead and sit down. If you're doing what you do because you believe Jesus called you to do it and you love these people here at this church, remain standing. All right. Let's give them a big hand. <laughs> Sorry. I did all that. Uh, I did all that just to say this. You're in a safe place. If you're newer to New Gen... Uh, if you're newer to this church, this is a safe place. This is where people, they don't think they know everything who are leading you, but they know the one who does know everything. He, they, they don't think that they're the answer to the world's problems, uh, but Jesus is the answer to the world's problems. And so uh, if we understand uh, the body of Christ, if we understand uh, the biblical pattern that God has created, created all of us to be in community, uh, he never created us to be in isolation. This is... This is a safe place. We've talked to the leaders. We know that you're loved and that you're cared for. Uh, they don't think they're it. They know that they're part of it. Paul says uh, in Romans that each of you is a part of it, talking about the body. Aren't you glad that your body isn't made up of a bunch of noses? Aren't you glad that there's some eyes and some ears and some legs and some arms and some livers? And uh, I had an operation. I don't have a spleen, so I'm spleenless. So I can't be the spleen anymore in the, in the body of Christ. Uh, but uh, anyway, we all have. And some are more visible and some are not so visible parts of the body. And each of you is part of it. Each of you is an important part of it. Each of you has a function here. I want to encourage you to jump in uh, with both feet here. And so... Um, let's see, let me turn some of this up here so I can see. Uh, I do have some notes here, and um, there are slides coming up. Okay, I won't look behind me because it messes me up. So um, my story is this. Uh, I, uh, I was a foster child as a, when I was younger. I didn't know my dad and my mom. Uh, died when when I was five, left my two sisters and me. We went through the foster system uh, in California and then went from home to home to home and finally uh, moved in with a pastor and his wife and they had five kids of their own and they took my two sisters and myself in and that's my family to this day. 
But not long after I moved in, I heard about Jesus, and I walked down the middle aisle of this little Baptist church in Southern California, Santa Barbara, and uh, when I was eight years old and gave my heart to Jesus, and I knew that I knew that I knew that I wanted to follow him. Uh, I know him more today than I did then, but as much as an eight-year-old could understand, I wanted to give my heart uh, to Jesus. And I repented of my sin. My biggest crime spree was I stole cough drops from the from the uh, <laughs> chemist store, and, and uh, that was it. And that was my crime spree as a child. But uh, I had to repent. I knew that I had sinned. I knew that I had been unkind to my siblings, and you know, just the things like this. And I wanted a Jesus. I wanted Jesus to forgive me. And I've never ever regretted that. And He's always been faithful to me ever since. Uh, I haven't always been faithful. I wish that I had it. I wish that I had been perfectly faithful all these years, but he has remained uh, faithful through it all. And so I'm so thankful for the uh, salvation that he brought to me. I remember my brother and I, uh, when, when I was 13, uh, we were on a family vacation in Canada, and uh, there's a national park up there, beautiful lakes and uh, uh, pine trees, and just goes on for miles and miles. And we were in a boat in the middle of a lake, and at 13 years old, I was singing in my head, uh, How Great Thou Art. It was just magnificent. And uh, that was one of my favorite uh, songs that we sang in church in those days. And that was a cutting-edge song because it was only about uh, 12 or 13 years old at that time. So it was still a newer song. Uh, now it's like an old song, and a very old song. And, uh, but I just loved God. I, and the creation was screaming out His goodness and how much He loved me. So that night, my brother and I were sticking our heads out of the pup tent because there was just two boys and six girls. Uh, they were all in the camping trailer, and uh, we, we had a little tiny, we call it a pup tent, and we, we were looking at the stars. It was one of those nights where there was a million stars out, and it was just beautiful. And we said, what if we didn't really mean it? When we were kids, and we didn't really understand. Let's make sure now that we are Christians. So we just totally rededicated our life to God right then and, and uh, at 13. So, and, and then there's been moments through the years that I've just said, God, thank you for this great salvation. Uh, but it was that day that I first remember really worshiping God, uh, singing How Great Thou Art. And uh, it's, it's an amazing thing. Uh, you know, loving God is not just a saying. Yeah. It's not just a slogan. Loving God is, is our life. It's our heart. And I want to share something out of the Bible that's very familiar. I don't know if you knew what I was preaching about today, but Terry already kind of gave it away. And uh, that's good, but uh, God must be doing something. <laughs> Reading out of uh, Mark chapter 12. Um, starting in verse 28. And, and I, love, I love Jesus because the, the people that were religious try to trap him. They try to trap him with questions about taxes. Should we pay taxes? And Jesus said, well, give to Caesar what's Caesar's, give to God what's God's, and they just had nothing to say. Their jaws dropped. And then they ask him questions about the resurrection. If this guy died and he had seven wives and what will happen in heaven, and Jesus goes, you guys are leaders and you don't even know the scriptures. And he said, I am the God of Jacob. I am the God of uh, 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 Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And he said, not I was, I am. And, and uh, it's this amazing thing uh, that, that Jesus was able to silence them. And so they go on. One guy, well, the last guy who was bold enough to come up and ask him a question, says, uh, one of the teachers of religious law was standing there listening to the debate. 
he realized that Jesus had answered well, so he asked, of all the commandments, which is the most important? Jesus replied, the most important commandment is this, listen, O Israel, the Lord our God is the one and only Lord, and you must, do you know, I don't know how Australians are. I know how South Africans are, because they use the word must a lot. Americans don't use the word must very much. Because if you tell an American, you must do this, uh, they go, I must, must I? You know, like this, like you're telling me what to do. And so, uh, I don't know why we do that, but that's just kind of our culture. But uh, Jesus said you must, and Paul used must a lot. Uh, So Paul must have been South African, because he used it a lot. You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. The second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. Now listen to this. No other commandment, singular, is greater than these, plural. So Jesus equates those as one commandment. We call this the great commandment. Love God and love others. How do you love God? By loving others. How do you demonstrate your love for God? I uh, love you. How do people see that? You demonstrate your love for God by loving others that, that he created. It's all one. And then he said this. He said, um, it says, the teacher of the religious law replied, well said, teacher, you have spoken the truth by saying there's only one God and no other. I know it's important to love him with all my heart and all my understanding and all my strength and to love my neighbor as myself. This is more important than to offer all of the burnt offerings and sacrifices required by the law. This guy had an understanding. He said, loving God and loving others is more important than all the things that we hold so dear. All the traditions of the temple, all the work, all the effort, all the sacrifices. And sometimes we get caught up in that, God, I'm sacrificing for you, like this. No, it's more important to love God with everything within you and to love your neighbor as yourself. Realizing down in verse 34 how much the man understood, Jesus said to him, you're not far from the kingdom of God. And I believe that there's a lot of people in your sphere of influence, people that you know at work or in your neighborhood or among your family or or, uh, at school uh, that are not far from the kingdom. And you can sense in your spirit when they're they're getting close. And we don't have to pressure anybody because the Holy Spirit is drawing them. Uh, We continue to love them and continue to be ready to give an answer when they ask uh, for the hope that lies within us, as Peter said. After that, no one dared to ask him any more questions. We can really make things so complicated, can't we? Jesus boiled all the laws down into one commandment. He wants to be first. You know, and I'm constantly amazed, especially in the Western culture, Western world, how busy people are. I'm constantly amazed at how many believers try to squeeze Jesus into an already overcrowded life. Like a big pie, you're cutting it into sections. And uh, I'm pretty full here, so I'm going to squeeze some of those around so I can fit Jesus in. I don't know if you have banana cream pies or chocolate cream pies here. Big pie. But uh, there's a place uh, called... Uh, Coco's or Marie Callender's, they have nice big pies in the States. And they cut them in six pieces, which they're very oversized. But say if I want to go there and say, I, you know, I need, we have seven people. I need seven pieces. Can you, like, squeeze some of that around here so we can stick another one in? That would just mess up everything. Um, Jesus doesn't want to be a piece of the pie. 
He wants to be the whole pie. And we make him first. Matthew 6.33 says, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. All these things will be added. So if we make Jesus first, if we make him the center, then out of that I become the best husband. Out of that I become the best worker. Out of that I become uh, the best pastor in serving him and the, na- the best neighbor. Because of my love yeah. for Jesus and because it's the center, because it's the foundation of what I do. So I say this, if you want the presence of God in your life, first get your life into his presence. Do that. So I'm going to talk about a couple of these things. And, the, you know, this is, I hope you remember this because it's not difficult. It's not, it's not really difficult today, but it's a reminder that I believe that God wants us as believers to understand this great privilege we have of loving him. So the, the, the first thing here, Jesus says, the most important thing, and I'll read it once again, the most important commandment is this, listen to Israel. The Lord our God is the one and only Lord. I am the Lord and there is no other. Sometimes we want to make ourselves Lord. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. The second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. No other commandment is greater than these. So a lot of times when we hear commandment, we think of the Ten Commandments. The law back in Exodus chapter 20. But if you continue reading, you'll know that there's actually a whole lot more laws than just the Ten Commandments. There's actually 613 commands uh, throughout the next chapters of Exodus and all the regulations. And then the Pharisees come along and they start adding subsections and section, you know, minute uh, uh, interpretations. Well, this law applies this, and this apply, uh, law applies this. So literally, they had thousands of laws that the people tried. It was impossible for them to, to ever uh, uh, keep all those. They categorized them into greater laws and lesser laws, and, and um, they devoted themselves, the Pharisees, they devoted themselves to following the law. Paul was a Pharisee. He says, I kept the whole law from birth up. He, he did the whole thing. So during the New Testament times, there really was great confusion among the people. Well, what's the most important law? That's a lot of laws. What's it? Can you tell me the most important? Can you tell me the, the biggest ones? And Jesus said, all the law is summed up in this. You love God with everything within you. And you love your, you demonstrate that love by loving your neighbor as yourself and make that one, one law. So Jesus uh, was teaching in the temple this day. And they're trying to trap him with these things. And, and they, um, they, they understood uh, loving God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind. Loving your neighbor as yourself. Because that was part of the thing, uh, the, the prayer that they repeated every day. Uh, when, when they, um, the, the Jews had a specific prayer and they, they wanted to love God, they do that. But, but then Jesus said something that probably threw, threw them upside down a little bit. He said, and love your neighbor as yourself. Whoa. Are you kidding me? You know? Like Herman is my neighbor and I don't I have a hard time loving him as myself. And who is my neighbor anyway? Jesus went on to answer that one. Is Everybody is your neighbor. So Jesus actually shut the mouths of the critics here and they didn't ask him to uh, uh, any more questions there. That prayer that they prayed every day was out of Deuteronomy called the Shema and they would pray that every single day. And um, that's an awesome summary of the law. You could teach that to your kids. What's the best commandment? What's the number one commandment? Love God with everything and love your neighbor as yourself. Uh, You know, he didn't 
say you need to learn to love yourself? We kind of do that already. He said, love your neighbor as yourself. I'll prove it to you. Who do you look at in the mirror when you're walking by a mirror in the department store? Who do you look at first? Do you, like, do you glance that way? Or walking down the street where there's a lot of storefront windows and you can see yourself just walking down the street like this. Like this. Or when you see a group photo. Who do you look for first? All right? We don't have a problem loving ourselves. And sometimes we get very upset at ourselves and mad at ourselves, but we love ourselves. All right? We feed ourselves. We sleep. We do all those kind of things. So, loving our neighbor as ourself. Loving God with everything that's within us. So, how do we love God? Here's just a simple question. How do we love God? I have four things here, and they all start with the letter B. All right, because I'm trying to alliterate here. The first one is because we're commanded to. It's a joke. They all start with because. (laughs) Why do we love him? Why do we love him? Um, We're commanded to love God. But you know, you know, you have some rules at home for your kids and things. And and, and there's some grandparents here and aunties and uncles. You, You not only want your kids to obey the rules, you want them to want to obey the rules. I want my kids to not only brush their teeth every night before they go to bed. I want them to eventually want to brush their teeth. All right? So it begins as a command until it becomes part of who we are and we own this thing. I don't want my kids uh, to do their homework because I told them they have to. I want them to want to do those things and to want to study. And, and God doesn't want to just go, I want you to follow all these rules. He wants us to own these things and there's uh, purposes and there's reasons for it. And, and um, I did preach at the equip on there are no rules, you know, because uh, Jesus came to set us free and the law will never save us. But I did say very, very clearly that we don't just throw everything out. Some of these things point us. Paul says the law was a tutor. It instructed us in righteousness and it, it declares our sufficient, our, the need for the sufficiency of Christ at the cross and that we needed him, those things. But that doesn't save us. Jesus saved us. Yeah. So the second one is because he made us. Psalm 100. Shout with joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him singing with joy. Acknowledge that the Lord is God. He made us. We are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. What a beautiful thing. God made us. And Psalm 19 says, the heavens declare the glory of God. There's just something in creation that screams out. If we look look at the way God made us and hold a newborn baby in our hands, we go, man, God loves us. He made us. And our love and admiration goes to him. Some of you, if you're having trouble believing that God made you, I have some scientific proof right now, I'll tell you. Scientific proof that God made you, that you were not an accident. You hold up your fingers. They're all different sizes, different lengths. You go like this, and they're all the same, just like that. Isn't that amazing? Different, same. Different, same. And there's always a kid in the crowd goes, you know, like this to try to make them different. But basically, they're way different, and then when you close them, they're the same. There's design in you. And every cell in your body has a DNA chain with three billion parts that reproduces you exactly the way God wanted you and made you. It's an amazing thing. He made us. The third uh, reason um, that we love God is because He rescued us. He rescued us. Colossians 1, For He has rescued us from 
the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son who purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. This is the gospel summary. It's so simple. In our sinfulness, we were separated from God. There was a deep chasm between us, and we could not cross that. So Jesus died for us willingly. He went, he went to, the, to, the, to the cross and paid the penalty for our sin. He died for us. Isn't that of great reason to love him? And because of the atonement, he paid our price. He, he actually purchased us back. He, redeem means you, means you buy something back. If you have uh, something, a coupon or something, you're going to redeem this or a certificate or whatever. You redeem it, that you're purchasing it back. That's Jesus. That's the good news. And the gospel is not difficult. It's very simple. The third reason is because as we know him more. Remember I said they all started with B? Yeah. That was supposed to be a joke. All right? I know. All right. Because as we know him more, we cannot help but love him more. The more I know my wife, she said we've been uh, married uh, 45 years. And uh, both of us are human beings. And there's been fireworks in our marriage from time to time. We're both strong leaders. And that even makes it more difficult. So if, if one of us was a follower and one of us wasn't a, a strong leader, uh, you know, it might be a little easier. But we're both strong leaders. The problem is we both think that we lead the right way. <laughs> uh, anyway, so there's good stories there. They're for sale, 50 cents each. And, um, but the more we know Jesus, I, oh, I wanted to say, I love her more. I know her more, better than any other human being on the planet. And I love her more because of that, as we know him more. I love this passage out of Colossians chapter 1. God, just give us revelation of this. Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. God is eternal. We never had a chance to understand who he was. His mightiness, his his creativity, his power. And so as human beings, since our understanding is finite... And God is infinite, infinite. He became one of us so that we could relate to Him. And if you want to know what God is like, you look at Jesus. He's the visible image of an invisible God. And He made that move. He became one of us. And so if you want to know what God would say, just listen to what Jesus said. If you want to know what things God would do, just look at what Jesus did. Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And so... God himself became one of us so he, so he could be knowable. He existed before anything was created. That means he was not created. And is supreme over all creation. For through him God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. He made the things we can see and the things we can't see. Such as Thrones and kingdoms and rulers and authorities in the unseen world. There's an unseen world right around us right now. Don't fear that because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. But the enemy is trying to drag you down, tear you apart, rip you up, chew you up, spit you out. He hates you. And he has plans for you. And I'll tell you what, the, the, the target on your back is big, but the target on your children's back is bigger. 
And so fight, not in the natural, but in the spiritual realm. Pray over your children. Uh, Love them. Demonstrate the goodness of God. So God created all those things. Everything was created through him and for him. He existed before anything else, and he holds all creation together. I couldn't figure that out when I was in high school physics. I, I go, I thought like charges repel each other. You know, you hold m- magnets, and if they're opposite ends, they, they attract. And if you put the like, like north to north and south to south together, it, there's this invisible force that repels each other. And I go, well, in the inside of an atom is all, these, is all these protons and neutrons and electrons. Those things are alike. They should fly apart. Why are they all together in a little ball? I mean, even at the molecular level, he's holding the whole universe together and i claim that many times as a young couple we didn't have any money and our car was barely hanging on trying to get somewhere and i go the bible says he holds all things together lord please hold this car together while we get there christ is also the head of the church which is his body he's the beginning the supreme overall who rise from the dead He's first in everything. He was the first one to demonstrate life and and defeat sin and death. And after that, we get to follow him. None of our physical bodies will make it out of planet Earth alive. Our spiritual side will and be with him. And he's the head of the church, which is his body. Don't fight to be the head. Jesus already has that spot. But we're part of the body. And, And please don't ever say, it's just me and Jesus. I don't need anybody else. I really don't need any. Anybody else. It's just me and Jesus. You might have had friends. You might have said that at one time or another. But you do need the body. Because if you have the head, which is Jesus, and say you're the thumb. Say that's your part in the body. You're the thumb. So you've got a thumb and a big head on top. And you just hop down the street like this. That's not a body. It's not very effective. We need each other. And if I, my brain, the head, tells my, my uh, hand to go in and get uh, my keys you know, out of my pocket... Then the, the whole body, the shoulder, the muscles, everything uh, have to work and, and get in there. And then what if the elbow says, nah, I don't want to be, I don't want to be part of this anymore. So then I'm trying to do this, but the elbow doesn't do its part. I can't function the way he's called us. Or what if you're the liver? That's the liver and a head going down the street. That is... That is not what God designed. He designed a whole healthy body. We all have a part to play. And I want to tell each one of you, God is highlighting this right now for you. Each one of you has a part. And some of you say, no, I'm not important here. No, you are important. You have a part. And find out what that is. In this body, if God has joined you to this church in your heart, you you have to find your place and, and, and be part of the solution here. For God in all his fullness was pleased to live in Christ, and through him God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth because by means of Christ's blood on the cross. And so how do we love him? Jesus told us here in this passage uh, how we love him. And there's four things. But before I say that, I want to say this. Jesus and God are, God is an and God. Jesus was full of grace and truth. What if we read this? Jesus was full of grace or truth. Are you serious? You know, truth is a little bit black and white. You know, if you're, if you're a truth teller, there's some of you in this room, and you cannot help but speak the truth. 
black and white. This is it, baby. And you say the truth, right? And some of you are full of grace. You're on the other side and you go, oh, well, you know, this, this, and this circumstance, this would be over here. And you know what the Bible says Jesus was full of? Both. Grace and truth. You know what this church needs is the Word of God and the Spirit of God. Word and Spirit. It's not Word or Spirit. There's too many churches around that choose one or the other. We're a Word church. No, we're a Spirit church. No. Next time you get on an airplane, just ask the pilot which is the most important wing. The right wing or the left wing? That's the one I'll choose. No. We need both those. God is an and God. When He said... In Acts 1.8, he didn't say go to Jerusalem or Judea or Samaria or the uttermost parts of the earth. He said go to Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and the uttermost parts of the earth. God's an and God. And we get in too many fights in the body of Christ because we choose one or the other. We choose our favorite one. We go, we must be right. I've got revelation on this. It's true. Yes, it's true, but it's not all of it. And I'll tell you what, some of you younger people, when I was uh, 19... I had it all figured out. I had an answer for everything. I had it all figured out. But when I became 29, I go, ah, now I see it from this side over here. That's true, too. And then when I turned 39, oh, I can see it from this way and this way and that way. So if you want real wisdom in your life, younger people, ask older people what their perspective is. Or get old yourself. (laughs) So God is an and God. So Jesus did not say, love the Lord your God with all your heart or your soul or your strength or your mind. He didn't say that. And so our heart, uh, that's our passion. Whether it's inward passion or outward passion, it's we love God. He's the, he's the center of our focus. And, and, and we love spending time with Him and intimacy with God. And I'll tell you, what, tell you what, that intimacy doesn't happen in a flash. It takes time. Spend time with Him. And, and, you know, our culture says that you can go to a sporting event and guys take your shirts off and paint big blue letters on your bellies and spell a word with your friends. And they show it on TV and we think they're normal. But we dare raise our hands, you know. Okay, I went fishing and caught a fish this big. Or I went fishing and caught a this big, you know. (laughs) Whatever it is. They think we're crazy when we're passionate about Almighty God and our love relationship with Him. Uh, I'll tell you what you're most passionate about. What you spend most of your time your free time. I know you have jobs and you might have to have your mind on your job and things like that, but your free time, when you have a choice, what do you spend most of your time thinking about? That's what you're passionate about. The word hallelujah, I love that. You know, there's a lot of words for praise in Hebrew. There's yada, not yoda, but yada. That's the spontaneous lifting of the hands. Whenever there's a goal or anything, in a, what, is, what does the whole audience do? Like this. It's a natural human response to victory. That's, that's a way to praise God. And there's uh, tequila. Tequila, that's not tequila. Tequila, that's another one for praise. That's the shrill 
thing. We don't really have in the Western culture, but what is it? Yeah, they have that, la, 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 like that. And uh, the closest thing we have in America is cowboys go, yeehaw! That's about the closest we have of tehila. And then hallelujah is to halal, yah, or to praise God. Halal means to be clamorously foolish. A lot of times we sing hallelujah so slow. And hallelujah means go crazy for God. That's what that is. Passionately. We're to love Him passionately. And then we're to love Him with our soul. Our soul is uh, our integrity. I'm going to do this thing. I'm going to do the right thing. And it's, it's uh, uh, the thing which destroys our integrity uh, is impurity. But purity, living a life that pleases Him, a holy life, that, that builds up in our soul, the integrity of our soul, standing before God. We love God like this. And impurity doesn't take much. How, you know what pure means? One of the definitions for pure is 100%. Like if you drink a bottle of water, you want 100% water. All right. If it's a hot day, it's 45 degrees out. That's, I think the hottest we've ever been in was 51 degrees. And uh, it was hot. It was in the desert. And uh, anyway, if there's a big jug of cold water and the outside is just dripping with sweat and it's so refreshing, you're dying of thirst. And then uh, uh, maybe Joel comes along and goes, Joel, could you do that? (laughs) Both of (laughs) you. You go, ah, oh. but it's 99.9% pure. <laughs> 99 point. When I was a school teacher, and if, if, if a kid got a test 99.9, that's good. That's an A. You know, that's good. It's excellent. But God doesn't want 99.9%. He wants all of us. That's with our, that's our soul, our integrity. And then we're to love Him with our strength. Most people, I believe, fall in this category. With our strength. Uh, I'm going to do this thing. I'm going to hang on until Jesus comes back. I'm going to keep going. I'm going to be steady. I'm going to be consistent. And I'm going to do this. I'm going to gird myself up and with grit and determination, I'm going to do this thing with our strength. That's an awesome thing. It's an awesome thing. Because the body of Christ would fall apart without people like that. But all of us need it. And then the fourth one is to, we're to love Him with our mind. We're to love Him logically, reasonably. Come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. A lot of people out there, maybe some of your friends, think that when you walk into church and gather together as the body of Christ, that you check your brains in at the door like a hat rack or a coat rack and just come in here and do all this wishy-washy stuff. No. Let us reason together. It's a logical thinking thing. Almighty God who created this universe. That's why I love apologetics. I love thinking and doing those kind of things. It's our mental and, and creative and factual focus that we have. Really smart people love Jesus.
but we're to love him in every capacity. We all have all of those working in us. Uh, but here's, here's one thing that I believe. I do a lot of um, personality and temperament studies. I'm, what am I called? They gave me a certificate. I'm a personologist. I studied uh, Myers-Briggs and, and Kiersey and all that stuff. I, I do, yeah, I'm certifiable, not certified. But, uh, um, but I do those things because I love building teams, leadership teams, those kind of things, getting people to work together. So in American baseball, you got a pitcher, catcher, first, second, third baseman, outfielders. I don't want a team that has nine pitchers. I want a team that has one pitcher and a first baseman and a catcher and three fielders and, you know, this, this kind of thing. I want everybody in the right spot. So I believe that we all, every single person here, leans toward one of these four more than the others. And you can kind of self-identify there which one you lean toward. But I have a caution for each one of you. If, if you're passionate about Jesus and you want to, you know, like just go crazy for Jesus, that is awesome. He wants us to love him that way, uh, both inwardly. And some of us are more passionate inwardly than we are outwardly, you know. And um, he, wa- he wants us to love him passionately. But watch out, because if you're loving him with only your heart, the Bible says the heart is deceitful and desperately wicked above all things who could know it. So be careful. That's all we do. If we only love him with our soul, that's with our integrity and uh, our purity before God. Watch out for this because we cannot battle our way into relationship with God. We can't just battle our way and live a totally pure life. Then we would be depending on ourselves and our strength if that's our, the one we lean toward, uh, the people that are the stabilizers, and I think, I, I think this is the biggest uh, group among us, the stable, stability ones, the ones that are, are um, uh, consistent and, and always there, reliable. We love those words. If somebody said you were reliable, somebody said that you were dependable, that would be a huge compliment for you. Uh, that's a good group of us. Watch out that we don't start to trust in ourselves and our own strength, because we can do that. The Bible says that some trust in chariots and some in horses, but I will trust in the name of the Lord my God. And for those of us that lean toward the, the mental side, the, the mind, loving God with all of our, our mind, watch out as well, because the Bible says that knowledge puffs up causes us to be proud. My friend Russ Doty, the other night when he was preaching, he did a great preach on Thursday night at the Equip, if you get a chance to hear it when, when they come out. He said this, God never intended for us to know enough to do kingdom without him. He never intended us to just know our way into the kingdom without a relationship with him. So what do we do here? I just want to encourage each one of you. First of all, if you haven't already, you know about Jesus, but you've never met Jesus, please surrender your heart to him today. Please don't leave here today. There's a whole bunch of people here that would love to sit down and answer questions you might have or pray with you. 
and lead you to a friendship, a relationship with Jesus. Please do that. And if you have already, I encourage you to keep surrendering to him more and more, to love God more and more, to love others more and more. if we could just pray Jesus we want you to have all of us I want you to have all of me every aspect of my being I want you to be the one that I think about and long for and have love for you I want you to have all of me for my heart God I want you to be the focus of my affection and love for you to be warm and genuine and not just worked up. And I do take pleasure in your presence and your ultimate worth. You have my heart, Lord. God, and I want you to have my soul. I, I, I give my life to you. I want my worship to genuinely reflect my heart and my desires toward you love you with everything that's within me. And God, I want to love you with my strength. I want to I want to I love and serve you energetically. And I want to continue doing that. And I want to devote all my physical and material capabilities to you. And I want the love that I have for you to be sustained even under pressures or even when I have doubts. I want to push through and remain consistent. Father, I give you my mind as well, that you would surround my intellectual capabilities with truth, with eternity. And I want my faith in you to be fully informed, not just a blind trust, but it's a reasonable thinking relationship that we have with you. And I ask you to help me to train my mind uh, to ponder your word and take in the worth of your word for me, not just others giving it to me, but for me, myself, to love you with everything that's within me. Thank you, Lord, for this great gift. We do love you, God, with all of our heart, all of our soul, all of our strength, and all of our mind. Amen. Amen. Thanks, you guys.